0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And good day, my friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, We are, as you know, in Revelation chapter number two, and we're looking at what we call the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. We spent a little bit of time, matter of fact, three episodes on the letter to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a one of the major cities in that area. From Ephesus, many of the churches that you're familiar with in the New Testament uh, were actually started churches like Laodicea, uh, churches like Colossae, the church, at the the letter to the Colossians. Uh, we are in chapter two and verse number eight today, and we're going to talk about another major church in that time period uh, and a very successful city. Watch what it says in verse number eight of Revelation two. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So this church at Smyrna, What's very interesting about the church at Smyrna is that nothing negative is said about this church. It's an amazing thing. Now, we're going to dissect this uh, pretty, uh, pretty closely here in just uh, a moment. We'll probably take a day or two to do this, but I think it's wise for us to know a little bit about Smyrna itself. So Smyrna was a very successful city in those days if you count economic success, I mean, it was a place where if you wanted to make money, you would go to Smyrna. Uh, There was opportunity there. Uh, But like other Roman cities that were successful, it was known for its polytheism. Uh, There was a temple to, you name the God, and there was a temple to that God. But what had happened in Smyrna over the years is that... The worship of these false gods like Asclepius or Zeus or Aphrodite or any of a number of other Greek gods had given way to the worship of the emperor of Rome himself. So Roman emperor worship had now come into vogue in the Roman Empire. And it began with worshiping emperors that had died, like Caesar or Augustus Caesar or Tiberius Caesar. That's actually when the first temple to an emperor was was built, was during the reign of Tiberius Caesar right here in Smyrna. But at the time of the writing of the book of Revelation, in the 90s AD, the emperor by the name of Domitian, who was the emperor at the time when John wrote, had demanded that the world worship him while he was alive. So now the worship of emperors has taken the next step and the leader of the world, the, the monarch of the world, if you will, is saying, hey, unless you worship me, then you're not going to be able to buy and sell. That, that was the law in Smyrna. And the way by which they did that was every citizen once a year was required to take a little pinch of incense and simply put it on the altar, to burn on the altar at the, at the temple to the, the emperor. And by doing so, he would receive a certificate of uh, uh, authentic, uh, authentication is that is that a word? It's it's early here while I'm recording this, but uh, a, a certificate of authenticity that guaranteed that he had made that that he had made that sacrifice. So it, it was a small thing. I mean, a pinch of incense. What's the big deal? Caesar is God is the proclamation that had to be made, and as long as a citizen did that, then he could buy and sell. He could go about his business. He could be uh, in place for raises at work and promotions at work, and he could engage in his business in the town. I mean, what a what's the big deal? E- even if you don't believe that emperor uh, is God, I mean, it's just kind of what the government requires. It's no big deal. Just do it. Well, you and I both know it is a big deal because... The What we proclaim is we proclaim Christ and there is no other God, but, but uh, the, the Lord, our God. And to proclaim that Caesar is God is, is an act of blasphemy. So the Christians of Smyrna could not do that and would not do that. And because of that, they were exempted from the economy of Smyrna. So here they are surrounded by all this economic success Many of them had been very economically successful themselves, had their own businesses or had good positions within their own, uh, within, within their own field or guild. And now they are kind of out in the street. They can't make a living. They, they have not made their allegiance to Caesar. Therefore they are not allowed to participate in society. But not only is there this negative, passive negative that they can't, participate in the economy, but there's an active negative in that the people of the town now are persecuting them. Uh, They are being held in derision for their position as uh, believers in Jesus. The irony is that the people of Smyrna called Christians atheists. Now think about that. They called Christians atheists because they would not believe in the multiplicity of gods that everyone else believed in. So they actually called the Christians atheists when they themselves really were the atheists when it came to the true God. So these were dark days uh, for Smyrna. And it seemed as if things were going from bad to worse. In fact, uh, Polycarp Have you heard that name? One of the famous church fathers, Polycarp, who was in his 20s when John wrote this letter uh, that Jesus gave him, this letter to Smyrna. Uh, Polycarp lived in Smyrna. And years later, Polycarp was the leader of the church at Smyrna and died a martyr's death. And you can read the story of Polycarp. I might tell it here uh, later, later in this episode or maybe even tomorrow. Uh, what an amazing testimony Polycarp had. So Smyrna was known as a place of persecution, a place where it was very difficult for believers to stand for Christ and, and many acquiesced. Uh, to Rome's request, and many of the Christians simply took the pinch of incense and went along with the government edict because they didn't want to suffer in their job or suffer in their lives or suffer in their family, and they 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 caved. And so, this letter from John, really penning the words of Jesus to this church, are just that important. You know, maybe today you're going through a measure of suffering. It's hard for us as Americans even to understand the kind of suffering that people around the world are suffering uh, or that people down through history have suffered, but maybe you're going through what you feel is a measure of suffering and you feel as if it's unfair and you've prayed about it and God, what are you doing and why why is this happening to me? And Why am I being treated this way? Well, this letter to the people of Smyrna will be a great blessing to you. So let's let's examine it. We're in Revelation chapter 2. Look back, if you would, at verse number 8. With all of what I just said in mind, look at verse number 8. The Bible says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last. So we know that's the Lord Jesus. We've already talked about this. Specifically, Isaiah referenced uh, the Messiah as the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. So Jesus is the first and the last. Uh, All of what you're going through, uh, Jesus has already been our forerunner. Uh, Jesus is the author. He's the finisher. He's the first and the last. Nothing takes him by surprise. And watch what it says now. He's the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Now, what a way for Jesus to introduce himself to the church at Smyrna. He was dead and is alive. Well, think about it. In Smyrna, that's what they were claiming was true of the emperor's. They were claiming, as a matter of fact, there were those that were even looking for the second coming of Nero. Can you imagine that? I mean, that was a thing back in those days. But you know, if they had gone to any one of the emperor's graves, you know what they would have found? They would have found that those graves were occupied. Why? Because the emperors did not come back to life. They were dead and faced their judgment, as all men must It's appointed unto men once to die. After this, the judgment. But Jesus, unlike any man, Jesus, the God man, he was dead, but is alive. He rose again. So what is Jesus saying to this church? He's saying, listen, they believe this about their emperors, but they are wrong. You believe this about me, your risen Savior. You believe the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You are right. And I am writing to you as your risen Savior. I love singing that song, uh, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living Whatever men may say, whatever Smyrna says around us, we serve a Savior who is alive and well. So Jesus is coming to this church on behalf of his resurrection. I am alive. I am real. I am here. I am present. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, that's a great encouragement for you and me to consider today that Jesus is alive I know that things are bad at work, perhaps. I know that you might be persecuted at school, perhaps. Uh, Maybe you're suffering right now because of your faith, and it seems as if you're the only one standing all by yourself, But understand, just like those Hebrew boys so many years ago, uh, the Son of God is with you just as surely as he was with the people of Smyrna. So what a way by which for Jesus to introduce himself. Jesus is everything you need. I love the I am passages in the Bible. Uh, I am the good shepherd. I am bread of life. I am the door. I am. Jesus is everything that you need. And Jesus, as the living Savior, is coming to Smyrna and saying, I am. Now, look at verse number nine, where the Bible says, I know thy works. Remember, he said a similar thing to the church at Ephesus and tribulation and poverty. Could, Could we say it this way? Jesus is saying, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through, but when Jesus says, I know, it's not just an academic knowledge of what the people of Smyrna are suffering, the tribulation, the pressure that they're feeling, the fears that are real in their life. It's not just an academic knowledge, but when Jesus says, I know he in every sense participates in, it's the fellowship of the participation with our suffering Uh, The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, that he has touched with the feeling of our infirmity. And so when Jesus comes alongside the church at Smyrna, he comes alongside, not just as one that has sympathy for people that are going through a hard time, but it comes as one that has empathy as the one that feels with them. Jesus knows all about tribulation. Jesus knows all about poverty Remember what Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8? That ye through his poverty might be made rich. Nobody was more poor than Jesus. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. Uh, He had no possessions at the time of his death. They even sold the clothes that he wore to his crucifixion. And so Jesus knows all about it. Sometimes we sing that song. Jesus knows all about our struggles He will guide until the day is done. And that's what's happening here. Jesus is saying, I know. I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. Well, I guess so. The people of Smyrna were poor people economically. It's not to say that they weren't skilled people. They were. It's not to say that they weren't previously economically successful. No doubt they were. But because of the edict of Smyrna, because of the requirement of the pinch of incense, uh, they could no longer participate in the economic success of that prosperous city. And so they were now poor. And yet, what does the Bible say parenthetically in verse number nine? Uh, I know your poverty, and then parenthetically, but thou art rich. So there's a reality here on this earth you don't have anything in your bank account. There's a reality here on this earth. You don't have material possessions that you can itemize. There's a reality here on this earth. Uh, you are poor, dirt poor, but there's a reality that is greater than that reality. There's an eternal reality where Jesus says, But you are rich. You're rich in good works, you're rich unto God, you're rich for all eternity. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In this church at Smyrna, wow, did they go through it. But wow, did Jesus have some great encouraging words for them. Now, we're not done. We just kind of got started. So I want to come right back here next episode and talk a little bit more about this great church at Smyrna. God bless you, my friends. Have a great day. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.